despite everyone. See something funny. It wasn't funny! I guess I'll just call it Max White Presents. I guess it's decent. Yeah, Max White Presents will work. Yes, season two. I don't have a voice. Uh, just went and had a hot toddy. Yeah, I said it uh, to try to fix my voice, but it didn't work. Um, I just want to say real quick before we get the new season started, uh, big thank you to everyone that's listened to the first season, 30 episodes down, all the guests that came through. Um, all the people that wrote nice things, subscribed, followed on Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. Thank you. Um, and a huge thanks actually to the comics that have come up to me all over the world and have uh, ha had said how much they enjoyed the advice parts that the comics that have been guests on here have given. Uh, that's the stuff that means the world to me, and that's one of the reasons I started all this. So uh, just want to say huge thanks, and without further ado, I give you the second season of Max White Presents. Now bring me a hot toddy. We're here at the Tenor Trap. What's up? What's up? We have a very special guest. Um, I keep saying we, <laughs> just me. <laughs> I have a very special guest. But first, we're live at the Tenor Trap. Thank you for Tenor Trap for having me all the time, having us. Um, I don't even know what to label you as. It's like artist, entrepreneur, Bitcoin enthusiast, <laughs> uh, the founder of Ohio Against the World. <laughs> Uh, Floyd Johnson. Floyd, thank you for coming. What's going on? Hey, nothing too much. Thank you for having me. Sorry if I sound kind of nasally. It's been a, a rough couple weeks here in New York. The weather. The weather's brutal. Yeah, so when I got here, I had strep throat for like two weeks or for a week. Sounds good now, though. It's, it's coming uh, through. This is, it sounds good. I mean, Sudafed. Oh, yeah? Yeah, that's that Sudafed talking. I can't take that stuff and do comedy. I get disassociated. <laughs> It's like that. Any drug I'll find, but those like I get knocked out by any like Sudafed stuff that you make meth out of. <laughs> I feel like I'm on meth when I take it. I don't like it at all. And New York is the worst town ever to be sick in. Oh, it is. It's there's nothing comforting about it. It is. The only thing I like, I just order seamless delivery and then don't leave my room because you don't want people to like you don't want to get people sick either. So what I did, I thought I was looking out for the betterment of humanity by wearing a uh, a mask. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> You're like full on Chinese style. That's so. It's smart though. Did it work? Do you, do you feel like you? Uh, I think it works, but I think it also kind of like nobody wanted to sit next to me on the train. I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm like I'm protecting myself so you don't get sick. Like you know. And it's a weird thing. You see that like everywhere uh, in Tokyo, like uh, oh, yeah. and yeah, China as well. They're always like wrapped up on that. I don't ever know if it's just because you're sick or if the people are sick. I think is if you're sick, you'll do it out of respect for the better part. Respect yeah. for everybody else. That's the way that I yeah. look at it. You know. I think it's weird here too that people in New York City come to work or go to bars when they're just disgustingly sick. Welcome to America. I know it's gross. Like I was on an airplane a few days ago and just had that ha the hacker behind me, just dude coughing. I mean, again, he has to travel. I get it. You can't cancel plans for a cold, but right. I'm not even a germaphobe. I'm just not an idiot. So I hate when you feel like the sneeze on your neck and like I'm getting sick. It's Gross. It's brutal on it. Um, all right, so you're here. You're in New York. Yep. Uh, how long have you been here now? Uh, I left. I was in San Fran. Man, what I did was, <laughs> I uh, I guess I became a minimalist. Okay. I moved out of my loft in Cincinnati, Ohio. I was a part of this tech uh, tech incubator for underrepresented minorities in tech. Okay. Uh. Being that I do have an e-commerce business, I was I'm considered a tech-enabled company. So I had went out, had an opportunity to uh, to go uh, to Afrotech, which is like in San Francisco. Okay. Um, African Americans in technology. Uh, so South by Southwest has sponsored my my travel, and they had given me two separate tickets, and I was like, I'm not coming back. Yeah. So I just like packed my bags and was like, all right, I'm going to have to be out here on the West Coast for a little bit. Yeah. And how long were you out there for? Ooh, I was in Oakland probably for two weeks. I was in L.A. for like two weeks. What do you like? I mean, you're a Midwest kid like yeah. me. What do you think of West Coast versus East Coast in terms of just being in the cities? I don't really think any. I mean, architecturally, there is a difference. Culturally, there is a difference. But, man, I, I just think we all people. You know, yeah. I really don't have a. A certain type of place i'd rather be somewhere that's warm <laughs> yeah you're so far above me in terms of i just la and i have to go out there i love la it's really fun there but man it's 
just the way people talk in terms of the, the, the slowing down. I used to live in California. Yeah. Just like asking a question. I'm used to getting an answer within 10 seconds yeah. and never hearing the phrase like I'm over it <laughs> out there. Just <laughs> you're in for it. Everyone's just what? I like this story that I always think about California. Like one of my good friends when I lived out there, we crashed his car in the middle of the desert. And like me being a Michigan kid, like our car is that like if your car is running bad, you feel bad. You know, it's like this weird oh, yeah. Midwest thing. I don't know. You're it. connected to it. Totally. Yeah. And he just crashed it. And then like we were in the desert with his girlfriend and, and me. And then he, I was like, all right, man, well, we got to like call AAA. He's like, what? He just unscrewed the license plate and we just walked out like four miles. What? He just left the car there. He's like, oh, I'm done. I, I bought that car for a thousand dollars like two years ago. I got what I was like, my, my money out of it. And I was like, what? The whole time I was walking back, I felt like it was my car out in the desert. Right. And just that's how I think of California. They're just, I oh, will buy a new one. We use this one for a while. It's like a. But wouldn't it be like a VIN number that can be traced back? Or you know, all those things went through my head, but he just, he doesn't. Actually, I was just in Barcelona like less than a month ago and he was out there visiting. He, uh, he like works in the, we'll call it the weed business. Beautiful. And uh, he uh, makes a bunch of money and then travels all over the world for like eight months of the year. And he's the exact same kid that he was. Now we're in our 30s, but like. Even in Barcelona, he just makes a bunch of money. Because like he went to Barcelona to Cairo because that was the cheapest ticket. Yeah. Then he's in Cairo and now he's in Morocco somewhere. He just skates and hangs out, does Jeez. stuff. And that car's probably still in the desert with a VIN number that. Deteriorating. No I can never do that. I just not in my DNA to. Uh, to do that though. Well, I got sidetracked. So what's going <laughs> on? It's all good. So all right. So. Tech incubator for minorities in Cincinnati, Ohio. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, it was. Uh, an incubator was put together by Honey Jones, who played for the Cincinnati Bengals, and I think it was a couple other founders, maybe Candace Matthews. But uh, I, I, their their initiative was to kind of create this uh, this environment for, I guess, for underrepresented people in tech. Uh, so you have people who have startups uh, that are kind of like working out at a Freedom Center. Okay. Um, I think it's they're based in the Freedom Center. The Freedom Center. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. I lived like two blocks from there. I was in Cincinnati for eight years. So, okay. Yeah. I lived yeah. on like Fourth and Broadway. So okay. It was when it was more. empty. Yeah. When no one was down there. Ghost town. Full on white flight. Yeah. <laughs> like my office is twenty miles north, and I was. And people in my office were like, "Why do you live down there?" I'm like, "It's <laughs> so good. <laughs> Cincinnati is the smallest." A city could be like it's like a hillbilly town with skyscrapers and the architecture is so beautiful, like the late German stuff. Oh yeah. And like over the Rhine before it was, you know, a shopping mall, like old. Like I think it's like a. Sh- a street that's like a shopping mall. It's kind of... It's it's great. I remember like all the hand-painted signs. And oh, before... So Ohio Against the World, we have to start oh, with yeah. this though. So I, I heard of you obviously in Cincinnati. That's the first time we've met in person. Okay. Um, but mutual friend, uh, Ali Kalis, who did all your yeah. did screen printing back then. Printing back in the day, yeah. So Ali ha- still has, I'm guessing, the space, which was the old, um, not Mockby. It was the Mockby. The yeah, Mockby. I used the, to say right across the street from it. Okay, cool. Yeah. Right there. I got... Uh, that's a really interesting neighborhood right up there. Oh yeah, Brighton. Yeah, that's what Parkway. zombie would... Or, uh, that's what Ali would call zombies and gravediggers were the yep. prostitutes and their pimps. Yep. Got a gun put in my face there. Yep. Yeah, it was like, it was a real, real spot. How long were you out there for? Oh, I stayed across the street there for probably like two years. Okay. Recently until I kind of bounced out west, but yeah, two years. Stayed yeah. Down in uh, Brighton. I guess that's considered uh, the West End community. Is that what they're calling it now? Well, that's what it was originally called. I think okay. Brighton is maybe like that little strip area. It's that subsect that's like below. Is that McMicken? The road that goes up? Yeah, McMicken. Yeah. Area. Before I lived in Cincinnati, I just knew it through like Gary Collins, all the instrument videos. Yeah. <laughs> like, like all those. Uh, uh, um, it's so funny to like live like off of Vine or you see like Sycamore Street and all those ones too. Uh, yeah. Now Cincinnati is like a very, I mean, it's probably the freshest instance of full-blown riots based on racial that we've had in america was it 2004 with the big riots there yeah 2000 no i think 2002 two okay 2002 i moved there after all that were you there for that yeah was, i was born and raised in cincinnati mm-hmm. and so uh, were you in that like what part of cincinnati were you, were you raised like proper in the mid area were you out in the suburbs i was out suburbs okay. but i grew up in mount arbor okay so our yeah. parents wanted us to go to to this school called Fairview German Bilingual Academy. I think that's what it's called. An AWL, which is like a really great school. Uh, so we had to use like my grandmother's address in Mount Auburn, which is like in the city. Yeah. They had moved out to the suburbs. Okay. But the suburbs weren't any better. Yeah. In our city. So did you, um, 
there's a book called, I don't want to hack the name of it, but I believe it's called like Perfect Day for a Riot. It's about the riots. Have you ever okay. read that before? I haven't. Talk about Ken Lawson, you know, that attorney. Oh, yeah. yeah, Ken Lawson. Um, uh, basically, he put out flyers that said, no change, no, uh, was it no change, no peace? And it was him basically dressed in full on African garb, depicting himself as a warlord with like severed heads at his feet. Did you ever see these flyers? Is this? No, I haven't. Yeah, it's the book talks about, though, how like the weather was so nice that people were just encouraged to be outside. Because well, it's very fascinating to kind of hear, especially your different sides of skateboarding. I've crossed so many paths with different people of ethnicities, culture, socioeconomic backgrounds. Right, right, but right. everything in Cincinnati kind of hits right downtown. You know, like those lines of, um, the lines are very real. It's kind of like daily Chicago in a way. Are you seeing changes now? Do you think, is it more integrated or is Hell it no, still? no, it's still segregated. Yeah. As much as, I, I think as much as we want to see progression, it's still like this underlying separation yeah uh, i don't know if it's racist if it's class but uh i think one of my main things was as being an alternative african-american it wasn't a place for me to cultivate ideas i didn't get support so okay uh yeah it's still i think it's still segregated I think yeah it's still separate no no matter how many write-ups they pay to get featured in you know new york times or whatever about the best cities to yeah. move to it's that opposite side of what success is and that's the truth you know you got People who live, her being kicked out of her neighborhoods, being gentrified, which I'm sure happens everywhere. Yeah, Cincinnati is like you can see it happen street by street because it's a smaller, small place. Yeah, yeah, you can kind of see it. Um, now, so you used the Mount Mount Auburn address. Uh, now, your father was a screen printer. Is yeah, that right? I grew up. My pops was a screen printer, so I always had that access in a basement, and uh, I always, I mean, I grew up from five years old being my father's assistant you know yeah printing t-shirts for family reunions doing stuff for churches uh any other kind of like companies that needed t-shirts he had only one color uh one color hit started like in the 80s in mount arbor and kind of moved shop to the basement now is that something when you're younger you always were like creator i think so i think i was more so a participant understanding it uh but it kind of, it hit me when I was like, oh, shit, I can, why am I paying $30 for a t-shirt when I can ultimately just make this in my basement? So, like, growing up, you know, seeing New York, kind of like brands that were, like, really popular in New York back in the day. Yeah. It just gave me kind of, like, a inclination to, hey, maybe I can do this. Damn, zoo reference. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, that's back in the day, man. Yeah, that's like. Uh, I don't skate. But yeah, he's still a fan of that. That's yeah, um, former guest, Zared Bassett. He's like, in a, one, like one of the original. Like, he was the first younger kid to be on zoo. Word. Uh, when when they come to Michigan, I was in charge of driving them around. Oh, At the nice. skate shop I grew up working at. So I was 15 without a license driving my idols <laughs> around. And like Harold Hunter was like a huge. That's why I wanted to go to NYU. I didn't end up going because it turns out you have to have a lot of money and good grades. I didn't know that. I just saw the hat and I was like, that place looks sick. That's where <laughs> I want to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, good okay. branding. Yeah, I know, right? It was so good. And then when you saw it go through all the Echo changes and Sprite bought it and then Echo bought it and then it went back and yada, yada. It came like a TJ Maxx brand. But yep. you can't really replace what it was. It, to me, I still have New York cargo pants. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like I, it's like I just think it was amazing. Especially something for like a kid that I'm from the safe area of like outside of Grand Rapids, Michigan to okay. have like just, I remember like I saw Air Max 97s and Jefferson Pang, who was a skater for New York when he came and I was like, what are those? Like, <laughs> I didn't have those. Like, what is that? So how did, you, how did you learn about stuff without the internet back in the day? Skateboarding. Skateboarding. I think that's like the man. biggest thing. Like I grew up in a very safe area, but 10 minutes north, it was like a very dangerous, still very dangerous area. And I had friends from both groups. Gotcha. Um, skateboarding with our magazines that come out once a month and you would just kind of see and live through there. Like in my mind, I had like vivid, vivid, um, ideas of what New York City was long before I ever visited. Was it accurate? Uh, it's so funny, a hundred percent. Because skateboarding, I've seen like the best, darkest alleys in the most beautiful parts of the world. I've seen like the worst places in the most beautiful place in the world. Because skating, we're hanging out in alleys at three in the morning trying to get a trick or something weird. And uh, versus like other people are like, I want to go to Times Square. I'm like, I need to see the Brooklyn Banks. I want to take me where it smells like piss. <laughs> like, that's how I want to see it. Um, now, uh, okay, Ohio against the world. Yeah. This was, so 2015 in the Sugar Bowl. Yeah. All right, someone wore the shirt and ended up going viral. Yeah. How does that even start? And this isn't like uh, a viral, like cute Craigslist ad. Like this is like. This is genuine. The world, like like grassroots yeah. everywhere. So to like, what was it like? How'd the guy get the shirt? He How's the whole? It. I think somebody brought it. It was just some, his girlfriend maybe it was okay. at his house. He didn't have anything to wear. Uh, he's visiting his girl's house or something and she had a sweatshirt 
And I think it just kind of paired with his excitement and the camera kind of like panned in on him and it was like, damn. Just seeing that as like your own brand and saying, and then would the phone turn into a little blue glowing brick of just like activity, people just. Oh man, at that point, at that moment and point in my life, man, I was going through like this spiritual journey, man. So I didn't have a TV. I was just kind of like, you know, juicing, lighting incense, going to sleep, you know yeah. what I mean? Super early. And it's like January 1st. <laughs> I think it was, and I was like, I get all of these notifications, like, bruh, turn on the ESPN. I was like, bruh, I ain't even got a TV. Like, how am I going to look at it? <laughs> so then I just go to Instagram, and it's like all over Instagram. So That's, yeah. uh, okay, so then that, <laughs> okay, I have this insane thing. I don't know if you remember this, but I messaged you. Okay. This is years ago, and I found, I screenshot it on Facebook. I was in Detroit at opening day at Tiger Stadium. Okay. And I don't stop me if you're in front of us at all, though, but I, I, I uh, let me find this. I thought I screenshot it. Um, I sent you a message, and it was a, it was a photo. I'm just gonna, I'm not going to give these people any press, but they were using your idea. Okay. It was Detroit versus everybody. Just make it look. And I sent, and I wrote, I, I sent you a text message that just said, the fuck, question mark on it. Yeah. And I don't want to paraphrase what you said. I thought I screenshot, but it's not saving. Like, let me look at it. Exactly. <laughs> this is exactly what you said. And I'm not, I'm not putting it in a spot. It was a photo of Detroit versus everybody. I put, the fuck. This is March 31st, 2014. Yeah. You wrote back, trust me, they're not doing what I'm about to do. <laughs> I get chills. I get chill seeing this. I, like, it's, do you remember that at all? Running back? Uh, maybe. I don't, maybe. Possibly. I don't know. That was uh, so that was really impactful to me because that's when I first started my skateboard shop, Smooth. and so right around there too. And I remember thinking like, it shifted me from being like fucking biters, like I hate biters, to like man, give them the old shit. They can't run with us. Yeah, I mean to be honest, quite frank, I think to give credit to the original artists that did it, you know, yeah. with some guys who had worked with Nike on a project. Um, but I just recently attended this like Dapper Dan uh, lecture at MoMA. It was like last week, and he—he's uh, a guy who's a uh, you know notoriously known for appropriating the Gucci and the Louis Vuitton back in the '80s because those design houses went retail. And they put him under. They I saw the documentary. Under. Yeah, he had yeah. like the crazy like the old LV like yeah. uh, monogram pants. Screen he made. printed it. Yeah, it was like if you guys want to sell it to me, I want to find out a way to make yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, so I mean. When it comes to appropriation, I kind of look at that as an art form, too. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, they had a, uh, a pop-up shop where you can kind of come in and customize your own shirt. I knew damn well nobody was going to do anything with Ohio against the world. Yeah. So I was just like, man, I'm about to make this T-shirt, and I trademarked it. And, and then I, cut to LeBron James. Yeah. With your hat on. Yeah. Again, chills. Okay. And then seeing that, and then is it Quicken Loans Stadium, the the Cleveland Cavaliers spot when they had the big just blasted Ohio against the world? Yeah. How does that even happen? Is that when the stylist got the hat? You're not sending this stuff out. No, I think I sent it probably to one of his homies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm really bad at relationships, man. That's something I got to <laughs> get better at because I'm just kind of like I'll post something and go about it and not yeah. even put it out, just do stuff. But uh, for me, I didn't. I didn't really look at it as a business. I just thought it was just something you know that people really, uh, you know, could resonate with. And yeah. I think you know, being from Ohio, we leave and we go different places. And within that, we be kind of like I was wearing this jacket at the barber shop in Brooklyn, and I got this like reflective like bomber jacket, right? So it has this like crazy shine to it. No matter if the light hits it or if it doesn't, it's just like fucking illuminating, like you're from space or somewhere. So I'm in a barber shop on Nostrand, and the barber was like, yo, you from Ohio? You know, like in a deep Brooklyn accent. Yeah. yeah. I was like, yeah, what's up? He was like, yo, which bar? I was like, I'm from, uh, from, from Cincinnati. He was like, oh, the Natty? Like, I got a story about the Natty. So I think, I mean, it's, uh, he got caught in a hotel room with some woman who was cheating. <laughs> <laughs> he came down from New York. He had met her at a club, and I'm like, <laughs> But I think that was kind of like an uh, inclination to me. It was just like a snap that went off. It was like, man, this thing really does unify people, no matter where you're from. I don't know if any other state has that same kind of uh, organic kind of networking. I don't know. You yeah. know what I mean? It's just like people will come up to you in the airport, you know, and 
start a full-blown conversation. It feels like home even if it's not. Like, like yeah. I'm from Michigan originally, but Cincinnati, I still think of, like, the hardest thing I ever do is get rid of my apartment there when I moved back to Michigan. It was like, it felt, I don't know, just something about that place. I don't know what it was. And the friends I make, obviously, being an outsider to skateboarding, they're, like, my lifelong friends still. Yeah. There's something about that area. It's in the water. It's, like, this weird, there's something there that people, and everybody's got a Cincinnati story, <laughs> or they'll say it. And then it seemed like your product, like, OTW, it, it seemed to transcend that because like you so. see people like wearing that shit that aren't from Ohio like I wear it like uh, yeah, yeah it kind of went crazy man over in Asia a while ago when I first kind of started like I was just making like some appropriated hats with like Hermes gold hardware I always like you know mixing things that don't yeah. don't go together kind of having those two opposites come together to make a story but that goes perfect and the next thing I want to ask you is about yeah. I saw something just as a fan of fashion so I'm into um, yeah. high fashion street fashion yeah. uh, I saw an interesting and this is my observation of it when it went from the t-shirts and then all of a sudden you did the shade oh yeah yeah and I read an interview with you about that and it was talking about you're talking about uh, Paris is Burning oh, which yeah. is like one of my favorite documentaries one of my favorite documentaries out there yeah and I was like for, and it's I mean I wish I could I wish this was more video showing so I could show people what this shade was though, but it was yeah. interesting because how would you describe that? I the actual object. Actual object and yeah. advisor? Mm -hmm. Uh I think Pharrell even ripped that off. He did uh, he made shade on a lamp lamp shade. And I'm pretty sure that was inspired by Yeah. Uh, it just seemed like I just remember seeing like what Rihanna was wearing. Oh yeah. Yeah, and so that was just like boom, another thing. And it yeah. wasn't even like OATW all of it, it was the shade thing. And then if you go back to Paris of Burning, which is an 80s documentary about basically like the uh, transgender uh, ballroom, scene. Uh, ballroom, like crazy oh. elaborate balls where it's like different before games. Madonna, before yeah, and, they, and the, 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 the vernacular they're using is like throwing shade, like reading, like all the, you know, all the subsects of that, which is now you see like little kids, like 14 year old skaters, like me tossing shade my way. It's yeah. so funny. Yeah. How ahead of time was and that was was that i don't want to say grow up moment for otw or was that just like a different exploration i think it was probably a different exploration I always i've always been challenged to produce being in the midwest is hard we don't yeah. really have any industries to really kind of or even have any mentorship when it comes to like you know design or fashion it's kind of like something that's oh no i wish i may would have moved to new york earlier yeah to kind of like tackle some of those obstacles, but I was so like, all right, I'm just gonna stay here in Ohio and make this happen, you know? Yeah. But uh, I think that was just a genesis of me just like being inspired by something and putting something out, uh, creating something, just giving something that was, uh, I don't know, something that was, you know, that, that subculture, you know, those, those people's stories were really, you know, life touching. You yeah. Know? And then, like you said, like their vernacular, their own language, it was like, yo, this is a great culture. Like, why aren't we, you know, paying attention? And this movie should be seen everywhere. But to the fact of it, I don't even think Gene Livingston even paid any of those people who was a part of that. Yeah, I know. I was like thinking about that because I rewatched it last night, actually. And I was thinking about, like, I was like, man, because uh, there's, um, I was rewatching it last night. And I was thinking about it. And I was like, "There's this choreography thing," and I'm like obsessed. Like I make short films and like write and yeah. stuff like that. I'm like obsessed with choreography. Like I'll go see the weirdest one man shows. I'm just like, and there's the choreographer in there. Okay, he's a guy. He's got to be like 60 now if he's still alive. But I was thinking about. It, I was like, man, I'd like it would be so interesting to see what those people are up to now. Like a follow up. Um, I think they do have uh, ballroom shows here in New York still. I'm pretty sure they still do. Oh, it'd be so incredible to go watch. Yeah. Like it would be. Harlem, maybe I don't know. I think it's like Harlem, Washington Heights. Like I talked to somebody that knew of some of the balls, but like yeah. it's like one of those things too. Of like, I don't want to say "Don't meet your heroes" type thing. I just like that it existed back then, and I hope it's like the coolest part to me of that documentary is the twelve-year-olds on the side of the street that are gay and yeah. they're talking to each other and they're like, "That's my sister," and they're talking about it. these are twelve-year-old kids yeah. that haven't even gone through puberty yet, but they're effeminate, you know, whatever you want to say. And it's just so funny to be that comfortable with yourself and this little orb of like what 20 blocks makes up the neighborhood or whatever though I just I just never seen anything like that before yeah um and that brings me another thing too Patricia Field oh yeah yeah so that was something that was inspiration for you you said like what these acrylic hats she was doing so or leather acrylic hats the leather hats it says sex uh I was like yo how can I flip this and you know this is like another thing that was happening around you know especially paying attention to seeing what was happening in New York 
uh, street fashion scene where people were using acrylic. So I was like, I'm just about to figure out how to make this. So I was in my apartment, uh, did some YouTube video tutorials, had went to the hardware store, got some foam, cut up, open a hat, uh, got a heat gun, found some kids who cut Plexi in Cincinnati, uh, molded it, put some screws in there, and that hat was probably like 20 pounds. <laughs> Just straight up built. Built. <laughs> a built hat. <laughs> Like, DIY is so overused now. It's, like, the most white girl term in the world. But that's so fucking crazy to, like, think of, like... Man, my whole life is DIY, man. It hasn't it hasn't evolved. Yeah. I love that, though. You say, it's, like, very skating style of, like, I'm just going to figure this shit out. I mean, well, I mean, I think where I'm at, too, man, growing up with the Internet. Growing up with the Internet and then growing up without the Internet. Yeah. Like, I remember not having access to information, yeah. for real, for real. Now it's like you have a lot of information at your fingertips. Crazy. That's why I'm kind of like freaked out about this whole FCC. You know? Yeah, that, new, that neutrality. Yeah. That's, it's, it's so weird how I remember when YouTube was still relatively new and there was no commercials. Yeah. And the first time I saw a commercial, I was like out loud. I was like, fuck, it's done. Like, it just, it's so weird. And then you go somewhere like Europe. I think we have Stockholm Syndrome as Americans. I honestly believe this. And you travel a lot too. That's what we'll talk about as well. Yeah. Um, it's so weird how we're conditioned to feel like how everything is so good here and every like we're lucky to have it. It reminds me of like when North Korean people defect and the first thing they see in South Korea is like all this food and they're told their entire lives where they're like, oh man, like we're eating really well. The rest of the world's really bad. I'm not saying we're at the same level by any means. It's still a great country, you know, but we do have some of that conditioning in us. I do it myself where you like look at other places and you're like, man, like are these people like this dude just riding a bike all day and then he's going to siesta and they might go have wine and dinner. He doesn't, you know, he like, he's not just existing to work. Yeah. Do you see that at yeah. all when you travel, like different uh, parts of the world? Uh, man, for real, the places that I went to was, I think the one of the most beautiful places I went to was Medellin, Colombia. Yeah. Oh, uh, shit. I ended up doing ayahuasca down there, man. <laughs> yes. With a shaman, whole nine? Oh, yeah, man. I actually stayed with them. They got a chocolate factory. But I had did a, a ceremony with them previously outside of San Francisco, like in the Redwoods. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just drove up to one. I was like in LA. I was like, yo, anybody know where any of these ceremonies are happening at? It was like, yeah, it's actually one that's happening this weekend. So I just, I had like this small, like, rental car and I didn't have a blanket or anything I just drove up yeah I wanted to experience but did you leave the globe when you did Ayahuasca oh man I I went somewhere yeah (laughs) I was out there but uh it was definitely a realization yeah we all interconnected uh interconnectedness you know yeah um was this news reporter there from Germany I think and just hugged for like 15 minutes and she started feeding me watermelons. It was great. Damn. <laughs> That's the most, like, succinct review I've ever heard of Ayahuasca with, like, a hard end. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. It, stuff does transpire in between it. Yeah. yeah. But after you kind of, like, relinquish that, after you purge, I guess. Yeah. Unquote, I don't know. You get this warm, fuzzy feeling in it inside. I don't know. It's crazy. But. Now, is that something you carried on? Was that, like, life-shifting? Or was it life-shifting oh, yeah. for a few days? And uh, then it wore off? I think... I think Still to this day, I think I still hold, yeah. you know, not to say that I'm perfect by any stretch of the imagination. No. I'm still got some more stuff to figure out. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, if you can do it, I say do it. But yeah. What is it about like seeking? Seeking? Uh, like you're constantly we, seeking. That's something I noticed about you. It seems like we don't know shit. Yeah. I don't know anything. Uh, I think I went to this Albert Einstein up there at... Uh, what is that day uh, in Los Angeles at the observatory? The Griffith Park? Griffith Park. Yeah. You know, and it's got this little exhibit in there with Einstein. He was like, we only know about this much. He holds his, his thumb up to, like, the tip of his index finger. Like, we only know this much about the universe. Yeah. That's interesting about you said that Albert Einstein, because there's this quote that you, uh, you used of his in an yeah. interview, and I love this quote because it's like... Passionately curious. There yeah. you go. That's I'm not good at anything. Too. I'm just passionately curious. That's all. That's my favorite comic. I read that. I'm like, damn, that's how people. It's like, yeah, I'm a comic now. And okay. so it's like, you know, I'll never not be a comic um, for the rest of my life. But it's like, I'm interested in other things. And it seems like with you, too, you're making it work. It's like seeking to, like, make. I don't know how. I, damn, I don't know how to explain it. It's, almost, it's like 
this journey you're on yeah. and you, but you're leaving a footprint of things you've made. That's very interesting to me. Yeah. Like you have catalogs of OATW. Yeah. Um, Tresnick. Things that you can touch. Yeah. I mean, it could be interesting to some people, but I, don't, I think it's kind of like that. I don't think where I'm at now is where I'm going to be at in the future. Like I have not arrived to my, we're not, we're not, never not evolving, you know? And if you don't grow, you're dead. So yeah. I think it's just kind of like testing things out to see, I don't, I don't know anything. It's like that quote I like a lot. It was always like, the more I travel, uh, the older I get, the more I travel, the less I know. Yeah. It's really interesting that the people in my life that are the most certain are ones who have never left the zip code. So certain. They know, it. Certain. Yeah. know everything. You think that in some, in some ways, ignorance for like a split second of just having the clarity of ignorance of like, no, this is right. Would that be a relief to live like that? It's blissful. Yeah. Could truly. Be. I just, it's like, there's no right answer to that, but I'm just curious. It's things I think about the older I get you're starting to see stuff and you're like, man, it's like a dog that doesn't know a, a better life. So what's you, what good day for, I have this thing that I always think about in life. I think that every single human being is born with a volume range, right? So mm-hmm. zero being mute, one okay. being deafening loud. So when you're first born, what's loud to you uh, at that time, the older you get suddenly isn't as loud. So basically the more experience you have, the longer range and volume you have. So maybe five years ago, what was level 20, which is deafening, is now maybe like a two or a three because you see more. But there's people that are just pegged between zero and one. Yeah. I think it's interesting. Someone like you, that's like, I mean, it, not just Medellin, you were in Cairo. Oh, yeah, right? I went to Egypt. Man, I was all throughout Egypt, man. It seems like you just pop up and you're like checking these places out and I'll see the posts. Yeah, it was because I, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to, I went to college for a little bit. I went to Cincinnati State for marketing. And uh, I think that kind of definitely did, you know, kind of interest me into like the psychology yeah. behind, you know, sales and all of that kind of stuff. But I never really trusted the information that was given to us in school. So I was like, I'm about to see these places for myself. Yeah. What was that like in terms of from how you're told to what it is? Was uh, it the first time? Was it just like or shattering? Yeah, first time. I think too was like, I think I was, I was going through a transition that time when I went went to Egypt so I really wanted to know more about the historic you know kind of yeah who couldn't go to Egypt and not look at the pyramids but also go to the city of Alexandria and look at the library that was burnt down you know what I mean yeah it's so much of stuff that I don't think our history tells us yeah um but to be educated and to go and to do research uh I definitely do think it was fulfilling uh it was a bit depressing though because after I had went probably a couple years succeeding their revolution, but they didn't really have a plan for their revolution. Yeah, Arab Spring, yeah. Yeah, nothing really. They did overthrow their government, but the property, you know, it was just kind of like the tourism had decreased drastically. So it was like really no work. But I think, uh, quote unquote, ISIS was there too. So we basically had all the sites to ourselves. We had to get, you know, go by a convoy and check stuff out so it's really interesting that like the things they don't talk about in the news particularly here and i spent some time in the middle east is that the biggest part of when the arab spring not the biggest part but the main part that no one knows is like all of the religious relics that were like preserved were looted pillaged oh yeah and that goes all the way to libya yeah all those places like those ancient you know places uh, it's weird how war just isn't just casualties of people it's casualties of culture tries to eradicate them it's yeah, that's just so fucked to think about. Um, good old humanity. Good old humanity. <laughs> Shout out to humanity. I'm not trying to be cynical. I know. I'm trying to get better at that. I'm really. I try. I like, but then I. I like hide under pragmatism. I'm like, I'm being pragmatic, whatever. Though, and it, it just. I don't know. I feel like every time I'm starting to be like a little pissed off, I just, it's like that Mark Twain code. Like I've never met a well-traveled racist, you know, like wow. get, yeah. get, get out of the country and go see something. It's not even like, uh, Oh, these people have a way worse than I do. It's just opening your eyes to other ways of living. And it, it makes me a lot. I think naturally I'm a douchebag about a lot of stuff. And right. like, and I, I, like I want to just peck at certain things. And it's like, that's not the way to do it. Do you have yeah. any of that problems at all? Uh, I think so. I, I, I think a part of my frustration too is like, how do I change the world? Yeah. So I guess 
now recently like I'm just more so focusing on kind of like bettering myself so I can be that change uh, shout out to Martin Luther King yeah it's Martin Luther King day that's impactful yeah that today's the day that's yeah the, uh, so I uh, like that post earlier, not to cut you off, but the, uh, the post in 1991. Oh yeah, about yeah. the lawsuit with the family. No one knows about that shit. <laughs> no one knows. I yeah. mean, of course you can go to Snopes and it says it's like partially true. Fuck Snopes! <laughs> I'm the first one to say that. That's like the racist uncle website. Told you, told you. It's partially true, but no, nah, it's uh, it's great. Uh, that guy, what's his name? Uh, I went to go and see him in Louisville. Uh, Boyce Watkins. He uh, actually graduated from the Ohio State University. Okay. He does uh, I can know that. economics. He's all about, you know, black empowerment. Okay. Uh, through kind of like building, you know, financial wealth, um, educating the community on, you know, cash in, cash out, economics, uh, business building. So he's a good person to follow, at least for me. But They, um, I want to say, um, I just lost my train of thought there for a second. Um, in the true meaning of like you're a seeker, I noticed too you're like attending a lot of lectures. Oh yeah, that's I I it's so interesting because like the Dapper Dan one you mentioned, you'll do things. Okay, for instance, okay, you had this line of clothes called Plus Tax. Oh yeah, and fuck Zara, by the way. Oh, I yeah. fucking hate that. I, I, yeah. I was saying no. So Plus Tax was a line you did. Uh-huh. Explain explain that to people that haven't seen. Oh uh, man, I just put everything on sale. <laughs> Via shirt, so it'd be like Hermes. Was it fourteen ninety nine? It was thirteen ninety nine plus it's, tax. It was his shirt. Yeah, it was his shirt. And it said like uh, Givenchy or thirteen ninety nine. And then literally Zara just took it. Zara took it. A lot of people took it, and I cost, that's kind of where I'm at now. Like, if you wanna, you wanna take this idea and you wanna make it better, uh, at least tell a story. You yeah. Know, continue with something great, not take a Zara approach and just try to not. Fuck. They should have did Zara thirteen ninety nine. I would have been excited. Yeah, yeah. Like to be influenced, not just straight biting. It's, yeah, it's really. Weird. It's funny to protect appropriation of appropriation. You know what I mean? You're it's like, like <laughs> it's, what is original? Yeah, yeah. It's like you know, like parallel thought. Two people having like similar ideas have never met before in their life. Parallel. Have you heard thought. that? It's like comics have it a lot because it'll be like, oh, you had the same premise for a bit. Okay. That idea we never met before, never even heard anything like that though. It just. Like two things. So I had this in my notes, and then I meant to save it for you. An idea for a board company called Plus Tax. Nice. But like, it was so funny that when you put the stuff out, I was like, I got a message for it. This is so funny. Like, and then your shit was so. I just remember seeing Zara. So bad. I mean, it was done so bad. It was so sick, though. Like, just seeing it out there. Do you ever see those shirts around anymore? Uh, yeah. You know what, man? I'm actually going to collaborate with my homie Yasko, who's a Bosnian refugee. He made that jacket. Oh, okay. He's uh, out in San Francisco, so we're gonna do some. We want to bring him back do a collaboration. Yeah. Those, so. What was um the? I just think it's kind of funny because it mentions you like in the Google search. It always says Chloe Sevigny. Oh yeah. Yeah. So like that. <laughs> was that OATW hat? Oh yeah. I ran into her on St. Mark's. Yeah. Man, I was. I a trash and vaudeville, or was yeah, it? Or was trash it search and destroy. Vaudeville. Yeah. Okay. Search and destroy. Okay. Take it back. Search yeah. and destroy. Uh, back in the day, I couldn't afford airline tickets, so I used to catch the Chinatown bus, yeah. which was like 50 bucks each way from Cincinnati to okay. uh, Bower. No, it was Chinatown. Okay. Uh, probably like the most uncomfortable 13. Yeah, I've ridden it <laughs> quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> it was not fun. Yeah. Uh, so, man, I had came up here in some pajamas, uh, some American flag, like pants, and like some Jeremy Scott Adidas with wings on the back. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You look like Jeremy Scott. Let's <laughs> <laughs> put some Moschino on that. <laughs> and uh, I had went up to, I think it was, uh, where's Ace Hotel? 34th Street, maybe? Where's what, sorry? Ace Hotel. Is that 34th? Yeah. I went 30, up to 34th yeah. and Broadway. Yeah. That That's where I used to get my caps from. Okay. Because it was like these leather caps. Yeah. Because everybody's wearing leather caps. Yeah. So I had went up there and got probably like, I had an order to do for like 100 caps. And I couldn't wait for UPS to, like, drop them off because it would have been, like, four-day yeah. delay. Uh, so I had caught the train up. Then I went to St. Mark's because my bus didn't leave later to that night. And I ran into her inside of Search and Destroy. She's in the back, and I was like, oh, shit. That's a chick from Kids. <laughs> Chloe. I never could remember how to pronounce her name. <laughs> so I used to say Chloe Savinche. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. 
Yes. That may be a t-shirt. Chloe Savinche. I like that. But uh, she was like, all right, don't start freaking out. I was like, all right, cool. Can you just put this hat on and take a picture real quick? <laughs> she was super cool. You know? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I think when you kind of like really meet people on like a human level, uh, which I'm glad she did. She was just kind of like, yo, she was just in there shopping. Yeah. She ain't really want to be bothered, but. Real recognized real. Yeah. So I was like, all right, cool. That's so funny, though, like the hustle of the Chinatown bus because UPS isn't fast enough. Yeah. So now, I had to. <laughs> that's the difference. I had to. <laughs> I had to. I, like, people don't realize that the world isn't as big as you make it out to be. Nah. You're like, I got to get to New York. I got to get these things quick. I'm going to take a Chinatown bus. Thing is, I got fired from all my jobs. Yeah. So how else am I going to survive? I want to use what I got, you know, which is, it, is my energy. Yeah. Is that... First time, OATW, uh, big ups on the black and black Jeep. Is that still around? Oh, yeah, that's, that? still, that's still there, man. It's still, it's part. Yeah, that's the uh, <laughs> black and black Jeep. And then what was it, the Camaro you had, too? I had a Trans Am. The Trans Am was, dude, I, I, I tried to go through Instagram, but you scrub it. Oh, yeah, I, I scrubbed it. I know. <laughs> I was you know what? I hired an assistant out and through Upwork. Okay. It's just like to archive all my shit. Yeah. Oh, cool. So they, they got somewhere. Yeah, it's all archive. The random shit was so. It's just so interesting. Of yeah, the, I play like, so like a ran, a lot of random shit. I don't really care too much about likes. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I just kind of was like, man, I'm about to just archive all of these posts. That's cool. I'm yeah. glad you did it. That's funny that you can upwork it too. Oh yeah, I upwork. It, man, my whole network is universal. Yeah. It's just not in one place. So I talk I have a photo booth company and I got this guy out in the Ukraine who does like graphic design for me. You know? Yeah. It's really quick. Super passionate, super quick. So Damn. Yeah. What's it like help like assembling people to create your vision? I struggle with that. Yeah. And that's why I'm in New York trying to kind of figure that piece out. Because uh, I always been kind of like a one man army. Yeah. Uh but I realized that it's an importance in community. And uh, all of these years that I've been doing what I've been doing, I kind of really realize now is like, this is something that's a belief. People believe in this, you know? So how can we get them to be a part of it, to tell our story? So beginning of Q1, I sent out a survey to get feedback from customers, see what they want, see how they can participate, how they can add to it. So that's something that I'm really interested in moving with in the future is kind of like opening up that door of communication with, you know, man, people. What's it like asking your consumers for feedback and you providing them with a product before? I don't like to call them consumers. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. That word is kind of scary to me, but, um, so if I get, how, how do I ask them for feedback? This yeah. is like my first time that I was like, Hey, I want your feedback. So it's kind of like a new, a new step for me uh, that I haven't discovered before. But hopefully I get the truth. Uh, if the product is bad, uh, how can I improve it? Yeah. I think listening to customers is the... Keystone of having keystone a business. Of, yeah. yeah. It's just interesting. I know say so you have like a direct... It's like everyone says it's like... I don't know how to explain it. It's like... You actually care. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? It's like you're interested in the next level of what you create. Yeah, I'm not a Tim man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I like I that. All right. Um, I got some weird notes here, man. Man, go for it. Bear with me. Photographer hired by Nike, Olympic <sighs> athlete. Man, I fucked that shit up. <laughs> <laughs> so you were hired by Nike to shoot Olympic athletes when you're how old? <laughs> yeah, man. I think I was 20. I was 20 something. Okay. I forget how old I am today. Yeah. But I was 20-something, man. I got fired from Whole Foods. And I used to just shoot with, you know, disposable cameras. Yeah. And now it's pretty cliche, you know. Now yeah, everybody's totally. doing, like, disposable cameras, like, film, yeah. you know. But at the time, that's not what they was looking for, <laughs> you know. Yeah. They didn't really understand what I was doing. I was like, yo, this is, like, some fresh, organic, you know. These are kids who have opportunity to compete globally, you know, in soccer. So... I had stayed with a family in Oakland, then I had stayed with a family in, in L.A., like this Mexican family. It was like 4th of July. They cooked out. I was like out in East L.A. I stayed with them for like two days. Just got, you know, I just kicked the window. <laughs> yeah. Man. They gave me horchata. Yes. It was, uh, and I just, you know, I followed the kid around. Like he, 
show me the places that he went to, to his school, uh, to his job, you know, just, you know, being with his family. So I think for me, that was like a really enriching uh, opportunity to be a part of that, you know, to see that life, life is so interesting. Yeah. Something we all share, but it's a story. Everybody has their own separate individual story. And this was like pre before when storytelling was like at an all time high, everybody had so much of content. You know, and it was just like, hey, we need to understand these kids a little bit better. So, what was the fuck up it. part? Uh, I don't think the photos worked out for him. I mean, yeah. I don't know because they always go through like agencies, yeah. so you never know yeah. who you're working with sure. directly or whatnot. But that's uh, the hardest part about corporate and art is the uh, compromise of people that aren't involved in between. And that's where I kind of was like, damn, man, maybe I'm not a good photographer if they ain't really, you know, but. I was like, maybe it's just because it's, it's like you said, it's just that separation between business and art. Yeah. That relationship is so, so strange. And but once it exists. And like learning like the different levels of kind of like I'm going through like entertainment wise, there's people, it's like on a conference call that if someone doesn't talk the whole time, it could be perceived that they're not paying attention listening. So everybody yeah. has to put in their two cents just so they can feel value or show value. Yeah. Even when it's, there's no value occurring whatsoever. I see that a lot, particularly with the big shoe brands, like just coming from a skateboard background and then like writing styles too. Um, wait, more notes. Uh, vegetarianism. <laughs> vegetarianism. Are yeah. you a vegetarian? Nah, I'm a, I just ate like <laughs> a farm of chickens last week. <laughs> I just see like the juice cleanses and you talk yeah, about that. That was during the time when I had one. I think that's the time when I woke up. Okay. You start seeing like what was going on with our food, what yeah. was going on with uh, politically, you know, historically, what stories that we've been told. Yeah. Uh, so I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to take a break yeah. from all of this, and I'm kind. I was like, yo, I just want to. If I can, if I'm an influencer, quote unquote, I don't really like that term now, but maybe I can show other people, you know, hey, this is what I do. You can try it. If it works for you, it does. Yeah. If it doesn't, actually, this influence. is how I feel. Yeah, yeah. So is that? I just recently went and uh, saw John Leguizamo's Latin History for Morons on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like a huge inspiration to me. Even like his one man show, it's all my life. I used to watch and like repeat all over and over again. Yeah, he talks about like the whitewashing of history, like how fucked it is for his son. It's all based basically on his son didn't have a Spanish role model, and he had to go write a paper about it. This rich school he goes to now because his dad's well off. So his dad, basically John Leguizamo, goes through tries to find his son a hero going through all through history. And it's mm. so hard because it's so buried. Like I didn't know this for instance, it seems like I say this like it was a big moment to me. But people seem to know this, that like when the Spanish like were first conquered, like ink and mine, it was told in a way that they were far superior weapons wise, which was not true. That like no invading army ever beat uh, uh, what's indigenous population less than a year after disease it would take over a year for oh, the yeah. disease to ravage the areas they would just launch dead bodies in there. i didn't know that shit. oh yeah yeah they used to poison the water you know mm-hmm. rape the women give them scds yeah yeah it's like it's crazy shit <laughs> is it and so like i just brought that up as you said something that you said like when i woke up mm-hmm. that's when i woke up yeah when i got when that information was available yeah man i went to a I went down to Belize, man. I call it now in retrospect that I look at it. I was like, I was in a cult. (laughs) (laughs) With other other members? (laughs) You were in a cult. (laughs) Tell me about this. You drank the Kool-Aid, literally. I didn't like, they didn't Jim Jones me. (laughs) They did. I mean, it was great. I, I say it was great, but I did. I think I stayed longer than what I needed to. But I think it really... Show me like how addicted I am to technology. Yeah, um, but I didn't. Uh, I mean, the food was great. They prepared meals. I was in the middle of the jungle. I couldn't leave because it was like fucking jaguars, damn big cats out there. I don't know what if they even existed out there, man. But that was like you can't leave because it's jaguars. I mean, I couldn't leave if I wanted to because I'm in the middle of Belize. How'd you get out? Uh, it was only one truck. For the whole community Yeah And They drove me to the airport Which was like Two hours away You're just like I gotta leave Well I told them I tried to lie and say I wanted to go to Costa Rica To meet my cousin Oh nice But the tickets was like Two thousand dollars And they knew that (laughs) It's like let you go Like all right, You're done (laughs) They made me stay When you said Jim Jones I I was thinking of call leader But then I was also thinking How cool it would be To be like Jim Jones From the diplomat call Oh yeah (laughs) 
I like, grew up on beef DVDs. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I just remember him one time going down to his apartment in Harlem and getting dressed at a store. It was like a Foot Locker. <laughs> and he got all new 76er shit. And he showed up in just boxers, chain. And like he had that bodyguard Freaky Ziki with him. That <laughs> just made me go to a different place. Yeah. Shout out to Diplomats, Jewels. <laughs> but no, nah, I mean, they just all down for the black empowerment. It yeah. was like, it ain't been a place. It's not been an African-American male in history uh, in America to survive in America. And tell our story. Yeah. So I was like, we just about to bounce. We're about to go down here and build our own community, grow our own food. So I really definitely did respect it, but it was some things that I couldn't get jiggy with, you know? Yeah, are they still there? Oh, yeah, they still down there. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Still thriving. Yeah. Would you ever go back and visit? Uh, maybe. I think so. Yeah. I would, but I wouldn't spend as long as time as I did down there. How long were you down? Uh, two weeks. Three weeks. Three weeks. Okay. Three weeks. Okay. Um, and wrapping up, we still got some more stuff. Uh, yeah. I want to end all this with the stickers you gave me. Okay. Um, but first, what is it? <clears throat> we talk about social influencers. Mm-hmm. You being a social influencer now, is there a responsibility to that? Because it seems like you take it very seriously. Do I? Well, like <laughs> in terms of like you just you said like you want to influence people like the juicing. Right? Uh, that was at one point. At one point. Okay. Yeah, I now, didn't take that really seriously. How have things changed now to how you feel about it? I kind of don't give a fuck. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> um, Is it weird that like, the longer the roads you travel, it seems like they all end up in this like little city called I don't give a fuck? Like, Basically. Yeah. Yeah, population is like <laughs> astronomical. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't really like that influencer culture. And I think we're losing... How can I say it? Because we just had a. I'm not a role model. You know what I mean? Was there two people I can say? Roles are played, models are made. You know, I'm not. Yeah. I'm just a person. I make mistakes. I don't have everything figured out. I do have a story. If that story influences you, inspires you, so be it. But I don't. I'm not here to be the perfect example of a human. You know. So. Is that something? In the future, like, where do you see your progress in terms of evolution-wise? Where do you see, is this OATW going to exist? Will it always be? I don't know. Is it, could it be. I like that it seems to always be moving forward, even though you come and go from it. Does yeah. it make sense? Yeah. It seems like it's living on. Yeah, yeah I, I think just, it's way bigger than me at this point. <laughs> I don't think I have. I think that's another reason why I'm really interested in working with a community is because, hey, you know, other people have ideas, too, that they want to contribute. So it was for me, it was always like a platform or springboard yeah, to kind of help other people kind of segue into other things. Like uh, I had a group of people I was working with. Some are like working for record companies. Uh, one just finished uh, doing a documentary. No one's working for a startup now. So. I think it's just all kind of like not having that industry in Ohio or in Cincinnati and just kind of being a part of it, you know? Yeah. Kind of helps, you know? Interesting about New York is like at baseline, at least people are here trying. That's how I feel about it. Like, and you're sur- like it's like the George Lucas thing. I, know, I think I know something about you too. Uh, you had mentioned prior, but there's like two types of people. There's creators and destroyers, and he tries to align himself with the creators. Mm-hmm. Where I'm from, Midwest, there's a lot of destroyers. Even oh, yeah. visiting, you know, too. It's like, even if you build whack shit, at least you're trying. And I don't know if it's a Midwest thing, if it's a Rust Belt. It's something like Jack White would say. He was talking about like when the White Stripes first blew up and everything. Basically, all of his day was spent, how can I help other people get mm-hmm. their opportunities? But if you do that, you're not living your own life. Right. And he right. had to leave. He had, had to go to. to Nashville. Had to, yeah. And uh, it's something about being like in the shadows, not to sound too poetic about it, but of like these failed industries. Like me being from Michigan, automotive collapse. These like physically actual rusting buildings. Cincinnati too. You I know, think you that's got- an opportunity. Yeah. It's an opportunity to make some sort of change, but it's also out of that need for me. I didn't have a job. Like, I couldn't find a job. I started this, like, during the economic downturn in 2000, and was that seven or nine? I forgot which year to be exact, but I just moved back to Chicago. Yeah. Moved back from Chicago. So the narrative of how to get a job was totally different. Nobody was hiring. So I was working at a burrito restaurant at the Common in Northside. Yeah. And Ali made some shirts for me. I had he dropped them off. I just started selling them out the window of the kitchen, and that's what it was. You know, that's how I kind of was able to sustain. You know, yeah. And this was at the beginning of like an e-commerce, so I had a big cartel website that I tried to had to figure out myself how to build or whatnot. Yeah. So it's always you don't know what you don't know until you try to do it. So 
this road, I'm just making it by walking, you know, what comes wow. along. But definitely trying to foresee more so into the future as I kind of get older, but have some more things that I want to tackle it, or accomplish. So. I ask everyone that sits there um, this question. It's different for everybody else, but if there's one piece of advice that you can give somebody that's like interested, and I don't want to say like j- just creating. If there's, if there's you in Cincinnati right now, younger you, what would you like to tell? Maybe something that you wish you would have been told. Leave. See the world earlier. Don't wait too late. Damn. Yeah. Leave. Yeah. Explore. Experience. Is there someone that you still look up to? I mean, there's, we all have like influence, like people that... Man, influencer is just a dirty word now, isn't it? Weird oh. how it's so overused. Yeah. But someone that you like look up to, and mentor is too binding. But is there something that you like, like other artists that you like to collab with, or like art, other artists you look at that like get you? Or is it as simple as walking out the street being inspired by the art you see? I love Tom Sachs. Uh, Tom Sachs was dope. Uh, he's represented by Jack Shaman Gallery. Uh, God, what is his name? He was part of the 30 African-American artists exhibit that was traveling. Hank Willis Thomas, uh, really inspired by that guy. He's the guy who did the Nike. The guy had it etched in on the side of his head with like a horseshoe iron kind of thing, branded. Oh, damn. Yeah, okay. and the skull. But um, who else? Um, I think also, man, I... Going to like galleries, popping up in galleries, kind of. I like it, but at the other time, at the other side of it, it's just kind of like it's more. I think I see more on the street and passing than I do inside of those places because those things are all curated. You know, I think yeah. it's more organic on the street. Nothing's curated. Yeah, I mean, maybe it is curated to a degree, but it's just people being people. Yeah, you know. Um, now you're wearing, we'll end up with uh, where, where we're going to end at. Is, okay. uh, you're wearing. Black people love us. <laughs> it's a Gucci yeah. logo on a screen printed screen print hoodie or it's a transferred? Man, I got my homies, uh, my Jamaican homies up on Fulton made it for me. Dude, it's, so it's a Gucci logo and surrounding says black people love us. Hopefully it's a part of their spring uh, 2019 collection. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> oh, it's not Tom Ford there anymore, is it? <laughs> it was their creative director. <laughs> And then there's also Black People Love Us with the Nike swoosh. It's the stickers you gave me. Yeah. I saw this the first time, and it was before I had asked you the podcast, though. And I, like, <laughs> I almost screenshot him, like, oh, he's about to do something. Like, <laughs> this shit is so. Do you like it? I love it. Thank you. I love it. And I'm the, I, I joke like I'm writing something right now, a shoe review. I get too much shit because I only write about Nike shit. So I call myself like a, a self-admitting Nike apologist. Because <laughs> like, they're like, well, you were skate Adidas. So this time I did skate Adidas when I was in Spain over there. Yeah. And when I saw this shit, I was like, oh, I can't wait to rock that shit. That's yeah. the funniest. It's just That's the hilarious. swoosh above it with the black people love us. And I got it looks trademark. One. Is it registered? No, it's not. Oh. I got another one that says sweatshop. So <laughs> Maybe that'd be a good collab for Nike in 2018. Dude, too. yeah, tell them to get at you. What yeah, the, what's good? It? It's like they they hired this. Uh, I'm like big. I don't know. I, I, like I like running. Yeah. And I like the New York City. Their spin of like urban running. The collectives here are really cool. Okay. Um, big fans of them. I'm not good at running, but I do run. Yeah. And I like use my hookups at Nike just to get super cheap Nike gear to run in. Okay. But uh, I was thinking of, so they hired this uh, Black Roses of the New York City running collective. Okay. And I don't know any of them personally. I just know them through Instagram, so it's okay if I talk in the school year. But basically, <laughs> they had this artist named Rostar do the, the hand styling for this like Black Roses Hard as Hell logo, right? Oh, and Nike's God. like, cool, right? <laughs> the next season, they hired Rostar to do like run NYC in the exact same shit. And so being a fan online, of the black roses and then seeing the nike shit they basically just got used yeah basically and that roaster guy got a fat check for doing the design yeah uh, the black people love us i think that's amazing yeah it's so funny um (laughs) (laughs) okay i just think it's i like the not taking self too seriously and i like that you're always wearing your own shit always i have a hard time paying for stuff you know yeah it's stuff like if unless my friends make it i purchase it but yeah I'm not about to spend like $300 on some shit. Yeah. 
I got into uh, like when I got done with my sh- I, when I closed my shop, became a comic first time. It was like the hardest thing for me. Like I had to purge my closet of all brands. I couldn't see it any. Like it was like it's like a mix with heartbreak because mm-hmm. I miss my shop. I miss the kids that worked at the shop and were at the shop. Yeah. But if I see like one more fucking box shirt, <laughs> like box style, you know, like shitty Gildan yeah. that uh, you know, was printed, it's like forty dollars, and you're like, I can't, can't do it anymore. So it's like what I like slowly started buying brands again that like my friends make. I'm like, okay, that's cool. Yeah. Blame it on the influencers. Yeah, dude. Just on set, my friend was shooting this thing, and the girl that was the air quote influencer for this major shoe company, her parents were just super loaded. Mm-hmm. They like own a, they own a liquor company, but she's got like you know two hundred thousand million followers. She's an influencer. She's an influencer. People like they're Ugh. infatuated with her lifestyle. That's so weird. It is, man. It's a lot of psycho- psychology behind this whole thing, yeah. man. Which is kind of. With the dopamine, with the guy from Facebook who left the ex-president was like, "This isn't, you know, this isn't, this isn't fair." They're taking advantage of the, what do you say, the, um, dang, I can't remember the word that he used. How vulnerable the human psychology is, yeah, you know? and uh, the dopamine factors that it's kind of all associated with it, you know, but. I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's an interesting time to be alive, especially in that whole social media yeah sector of things that are going on. But for the black people lovers, I mean, it was just kind of telling a narrative about you know how Nike kind of became who it is. Yeah, you know, utilizing this segment, um, and African Americans are um, often forgot. You know, especially when it comes to diversity and being a part of the quote unquote team. Um, so contributing to $1.2 trillion in consumer debt, a lot of that shit, you know, it's just based off of stuff that doesn't have any, it's not an asset. It's just all liabilities. Yeah. It's just go away. And we even invest so much into these companies that don't give us the opportunity. Yeah, it's really interesting about Nike. So they said this thing for running called Breaking Two, where they yeah. broke the two-hour marathon market. They tried to. There's this uh, Elliot, I always fuck up his last name. Yeah. Kenyan guy. Or maybe he's Ethiopian. Um Incredible run, like the best in the world. But there's something really interesting. We watch a documentary, and I've watched it probably 20 times because I'm just fascinated by the something about German scientists mm-hmm. that are from Germany. Yeah. With African runners. Yeah. And they've got their clipboards and they're out of weight, but they're all wearing the same gear. You know what I mean? And they're like, okay, this is, you haven't hit your VO2 max yet. And it made me think about this is like a really important guy in my life. He's actually tattooed on me. Mm-hmm. He's this uh, chairman of the Jewish Council in Chicago. He's my mom's first boss, is how I met him. Yeah. Um, but he had told me that what people didn't realize was when Egypt attacked Israel, he's this old Jewish guy from Israel. Um, the same scientists that tried to kill them in the concentration camps were now hired by Egypt to build the same rockets and all no that stuff. So it's the exact same people. And we got German scientists after the war that like build our rockets and our space shuttle program was all done by the same guys that built the V1 and V2 rockets. Crazy. And it makes me think of that documentary, even though I'm a fan of like running and like uh, obsessed with the culture of it, it's like they're the same scientists, you know what I mean? It's like break this monumental two hour barrier. There's just something weird about that. It, it's, it's like speaks volumes to be like Nike is like, it's like they're kind of the puppet masters of yeah. it. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like I don't it's have a corporation. A, I mean, yeah. even I think Ad Busters magazine yeah, is yeah. somebody that I would like. I love to collaborate with Ad Busters. Um, I haven't seen that. I gotta check that out. Ad, Ad Busters. Yeah, they're all about culture jamming. Oh damn, so. culture jamming. <laughs> Wait, I gotta write this down. So we'd all flip logos to you know read different things. Yeah, um, but. Yeah, it's just kind of like telling the truth behind advertising. Like what's really happening behind closed doors when it gets into their boardrooms about how do we make more, how do we infiltrate this market, how can we get Michael Jordan to be kind of like an influencer, which he already is. Yeah. Get him, put these sneakers on, he'll wear them, he'll get fined. But that's even more publicity for us. All these kids in the ghetto are going to want these no sneakers. Yeah, it's interesting, like that Jordan culture of people getting killed over him. I saw a funny oh, yeah. comic wrote about like uh, Steph Curry is the best uh, help to young kids in inner city because no one will get killed over those ugly <laughs> Under Armour shoes. <laughs> I don't know who wrote it, but it was so funny. <laughs> I thought that was amazing. I was like, damn, you're really part of the culture there, buddy. Making ugly ass <laughs> shoes. Last thing I ask you: uh, Is there a responsibility for people that make that have a brand like you? Do you feel like there's an actual responsibility for you? 
I guess tell the truth. The best truth that you know. Now, um, outside of Ohio against the world, I think that's kind of what I kind of put my truths out that I learned. Uh, even though if I'm still growing and still learning, it's still something that I kind of value. I think it's a message behind it. Uh, even though I may just be kind of like playing this day, I think behind it, it is something that has some truth and has some meaning to it. It's just not face value. So, so I always just tell the truth. You know, if you make one T-shirt or you make one album and it has 10 lies, I, and this is something I'm paraphrasing from Lupe Fiasco. He's like, if I told one lie on an album and 20,000 people brought it, I told 20,000 lies. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I guess be true to your art. Be true to yourself. Um, create. Live, you know. Express gratitude. Recognize life. You know, that's something that we all share that we should be you know, excited to see. So even being in a train on New York, uh, one day... I had just gotten over a strap and I was just like looking around me and just seeing, you know, like this, this energy, you know, of people just love more and, you know, yeah. Leave it right there, man. Thank you so much for coming. I was a real fun meeting you and talking with you. Um, where can they find you online? Uh, I'm Floyd Universe right now on Instagram. Uh, I'm not on Facebook. Uh, that's pretty much it. Cool. Thanks so much, man. Uh, uh, thanks everyone for listening. Check out OATW online as well and buy some of the stuff because it's it's constantly evolving. Yeah. Leave it. Do the survey. Do the survey. Thank yeah. you for it. Appreciate it, man. No problem. Cool. Appreciate out. you for having me. You're welcome. Thanks. That's white, everyone. See something funny. It wasn't funny. I guess I'll just call it Max White presents. I guess it's decent. Yeah, Max White presents will work. <laughs>